Don't miss out on the latest news and events in your community. Visit StarLocalMedia.com today. Sign up for our newsletter and stay informed on all the latest stories affecting your neighborhood. And if you're a local business owner, let us help you reach your target audience with our effective advertising solutions. Visit StarLocalMedia.com and take the first step towards staying connected to your community. Today's episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast is brought to you by Poor Richard's Cafe and Star Local Media. Poor Richard's Cafe, Plano's oldest restaurant since 1973. They are open daily from 5.30 a.m. to 2.30 p.m., serving the three most important meals of the day, breakfast, lunch, and dessert. It is true Texas homestyle cooking made with love and grit. That is Poor Richard's Cafe, located off of Avenue K in Plano. Welcome to another episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast. My name is Matt Welch, sports editor at Star Local Media, and I am here with Brian Murphy. Uh, Brian, today's a sad day. It is, um, so this is the first day of the 2019 uh, calendar year where we, it's the start of the week, we're going to lay out our coverage plans for the week, and there isn't a basketball game to cover. You know, basketball is our favorite sport. It is. So it's, it's really painful. It doesn't help that it's like 14 degrees outside. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, indoor sports season is done as far as our coverage goes. <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah. We always get asked what our favorite sport is to cover, and mm-hmm. I mean, without a question, for me, it's basketball. It always has been. Just love that atmosphere, love the game itself. And yeah, it's always a bittersweet day when it is the mm-hmm. final, the final day of, of basketball coverage for me. But hey, at the very least, I got to spend it down at the state tournament this past weekend. Mm-hmm. I was out in San Antonio to cover Allen, Argyle, Frisco, Liberty, our three programs that we had competing for state championships. So uh, yeah, Brian, let's uh, let's recap uh, some of the uh, some of the fun times out in San Antonio at the girls' state tournament. Um, um, of those three programs, we had one that came away with the the ultimate hardware, and what's becoming a pretty uh, pretty familiar theme for this uh, for this new? program. <laughs> Let's start with Argyle, a program that we uh, we actually didn't, yeah, we haven't really been able to talk a whole lot about mm-hmm. Argyle on the podcast, and you know uh, let's so let's play some catch up here with Argyle because they are uh, the Lady Eagles are in the midst of a special special run um, after defeating uh, Hardin Jefferson on Saturday, forty nine to forty one for the Class Four A state championship. Argyle is now the third program, just the third program in UIL history to win five consecutive girls basketball state championships. You know how hard it is to do that just twice? Or even <laughs> Let like, alone once. Like, <laughs> They did it five yes. years in a row. And it's unbelievable. And when you because to extend that run past four years, that means that the players that are on the team now weren't there exactly. when they won that the first of these of these five in a row. Um, and you, it's it's weird to think that when you're fresh off winning four state championships in a row, that a team might have been in some ways flying under the radar at points this season. But listening to um you know to the Argyle um you know their head coach Chance Westmoreland and some of the players talk after the. Fact, Fact, there was definitely uh, they were definitely a team that was playing with a chip on their shoulder this season. Somehow they didn't begin the year ranked number one in four A, which is odd considering their. Who was it? Uh, I don't recall, but it wasn't Argyle. Coach uh, Coach said as much after the game. And then at some points in the season, they were ranked as low as 18th in the state. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's it's a team that you know the the roadmap from years past was much different this year because they lost one of their top returners, you know, Sydney Standifer, their star point guard in all state selection last year. She tore her ACL before the season even started. So right there, they're already going to be shorthanded. And when it's you factor in just the importance of the 
point guard position and all that is asked of that specific player and that specific role, everybody on that team had to recalibrate their roles from, you know, Riley McKinney having to take on the, the role of their of being their lead scorer, Brooklyn Carl moving from the, uh, you know, from, you know, two guard to one, you know, to being the team's point guard now, and then having to bring a couple players who were, you know, bench players last year, they're now stepping into starting roles. It was a team that had to do a lot of adapting on the fly this year, and to see what it culminated in this past weekend, um, you know, they started off in the semifinals, eking one out at the wire against Lincoln, a Lincoln team that gave uh, Argyle all sorts of fits on the glass, 20 offensive rebounds allowed mm-hmm. by Argyle in that game, and, and that Lincoln team is good because the they f- got some size. In, in the first round, they demolished Salina mm-hmm. by almost 50 points. I think it was like 40-something point deficit in that one, and they kind of called off the dogs in that one. That just shows how good they were. And that was what their that was a semifinal against yeah. Lincoln, and so that was during their stretch of four consecutive games yeah. against the top four teams. Yeah, if you're if you're ever going to figure out a way to leave no question as to yeah. who the best team in the classification is, so um, Argyle entered the playoffs ranked number five in mm-hmm. Class Four A, and then their last four wins they knocked off number one Canyon, number two Leveland, and then number four Lincoln in the semifinals, and then yeah. number three Harden Jefferson in the state championship game. And they had to dig out of an early hole against Harden Jefferson. Um, There's a lot of speed athleticism on that Harden Jefferson squad and they uh, they just blindsided Argyle quick for like a 12-3 start I want to say. And then uh, Riley McKinney who was one of the one of these stories of the state tournament and just her uh, uh, she was doing a very very worthy uh, James Harden impression in this uh, in the state championship game. She shot uh, 15 free throws and um, and just her aggression um, really helped will Argyle back into this game. She scored a assisted on their first 19 points of the contest. I've never seen a player have that sort of a run. Is she left-handed and have a beard? (laughs) (laughs) Neither. Okay. But um, she's an immensely skilled player, and yeah, she received state tournament MVP honors. And, um, you know, she, you know, really paced the team early on in the first half. She scored 21 points, I believe, of their, uh, their, I believe they had 27 in the first half. And she was, I mean, so yeah, she was just front and center. And then the rest of the team picked it up there in Mm -hmm. the second half. You know, Brooklyn Carl, Abby Williams, Bailey Timmons, uh, you know, Kennedy Reeves, I mean, there's a lot of... Uh, it's a team that plays really, really smart defense. They rebounded the ball very well against Harden-Jefferson. You know, compared to that game against Lincoln, you know, obviously they took that performance to heart. And then the following morning, they uh, they out-rebounded Harden-Jefferson 40-26, to including 15-6 to in offensive rebounds. And, um, yeah, five straight years for Argyle. And the run's probably not going to be ending anytime soon because they do have quite a few players that are set to come back next season. And at this rate, I mean, at the very least, maybe they can get that number one ranking heading into next season because it feels like I don't really know what the case is to like to bet against them. They're reaching like that status where almost like Allen in football where like you just you, you get the benefit of the doubt. When they lose, okay, fine. They'll eventually it's gonna end, but until then, like I wouldn't be picking against Argyle in a playoff game anytime soon. Would you say over the past decade that this has been the most dominant team in any sport. I mean, it's right up there with Allen Wrestling. Yeah, which Alan we'll get to football. later on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. And, but they, they have to be right up there. With as far them. as girls' basketball programs, I mean, the only... I'm talking about any sport. Any sport. girls' basketball, mm-hmm. that five straight championships, you, they're, you're blowing out every other team mm-hmm. out of the water. 5A, 6A, anything. But, you know, have they been the most successful and dominant sports team 
in the state. They've certainly they made, made a sport. They've, yeah. made, they've made a case for it for sure with yeah. five straight state championships. Um, so, um, but yeah, Argyle was a was the team that came home with the ultimate hardware. We had one that came one quarter shy mm-hmm. of doing the same. So let's, Brian, you team that you mm-hmm. followed all year, so we can uh, shift gears a bit and talk about Frisco Liberty. Uh, they gave number two ranked Amarillo one heck of a ball game there in the state championship game. Led after this, they they never trailed after either of the first three quarters. Um, and then the fourth quarter happened, and Amarillo they they just they just needed one run in a game that was very closely contested, very back and forth. It felt like the game was being played on Liberty's terms for the first two and a half to three quarters, and then Amarillo you know they start ramping up the pressure with their press defense. About from the midway point of the third quarter on, you could start to see that okay they're playing with a little bit more energy on that end of the floor. Now was that the first time they did the press defense, the full court press? Um, as far as at least over the course of the game. Um, it seemed like they were. Uh, it was the first time when they really like were like locked in and like everybody was playing with this this extra sense of energy. It was a little bit softer, if you know, in other parts of the game where they might have tried it. But they, um, yeah, they definitely played with a sense of urgency down the stretch. And there was just a run there uh, set early in the fourth quarter with about six minutes left. Um, Amarillo goes on a 13-0 run and puts um, puts uh, Liberty down by nine. And just with the way that the game was being played, because I mean, you've seen this Liberty team time and time again, Brian, they are so patient and methodical um, on offense. And they uh, and that was really what helped. Um, I mean, they they were never in a rush at any point against Amarillo. They played very composed, worked the ball around where they didn't rush any shots, and they always they seem to do the I mean about as good a job as you can working for a good high percentage shot. And they do have so many selfless, willing passers that and smart players too, players who know when to cut and just find ways to create high percentage looks for themselves. And I mean, they did such a good job making Amarillo as uncomfortable as you conceivably could. Yeah, they're so well coached. Which is, I, I think, the main strength of this team. Ross Reedy does a phenomenal job, and he he gets the most out of all of his players. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you you have yeah, it helps when your team is stacked. When you have oh, yeah. you know, when you Lots can run, when you can run, you know, ten players deep in any mm-hmm. game. You have Jazzy Owens Barnett, their stud freshman, and she still doesn't get enough playing time as she should. Next season, expect a blowout, a blow up season mm-hmm. for her part in soft, her sophomore year. But, you know, they're so well-coached. They're a well-oiled machine. And that play that I saw going into the half, that was executed to perfection. (laughs) And you see Reedy telling him, hey, no, 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 instructing him, don't do this, don't do this, wait, wait, wait. And then he tells him when to go. And they go, hit McKenzie Glover, cutting to the basket, and it was just executed to perfection. And I, I felt like that's been the story of their offense for much of the season, and they got away from that. When Amarillo got him in the press and got him behind, is something they weren't really accustomed to. Because that was that was the thing. Like so, Amarillo had such a tough time solving Liberty's half court offense. Mm-hmm. So the answer get him is, out of it. Yeah, don't even let him set up in mm-hmm. half court. And they uh, yeah they forced a lot of turnovers before Liberty could even get the ball past half court that contributed to that 13-0 run. And um, yeah, I mean it, Amarillo was I mean Amarillo is as credentialed a program as there is in the state. And it was really the uh, the ultimate clash of a just a dominant defense versus a high-scoring offense. Um, you know, the, the number that I, I kept in mind for this game from Liberty's standpoint was 40 points. Mm-hmm. Liberty, prior to that game, had not allowed an opponent to score more than 40 points in its last 16 games. Mm-hmm. And that includes matchups against several state-ranked teams. Twice against Lone Star. Mm-hmm. curville Tivy. the game before, that team was averaging well over mm-hmm. fi- in the 50s and 60s in points. 
When was the last time they gave up 40 points? Jersey Village, I believe, at the uh, December 29th in the uh, the holiday tournament. The Sandy Meadows Classic. Yep. Okay. So first time, this was the first time in 2019 that the team had scored uh, over 40 points on Liberty. And by the same accord, yeah, Amarillo had never scored under 40 points this season. So Something had to give. Exactly. Mm-hmm. That's a storyline right there. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, they were just so, so close. But then, yeah, once they uh, once Amarillo had that run, you know, Liberty was able to get back to within three points. I want to say it was, want to say, 45-42 inside the final minute. Jazzy Owens, steal and yes. free throws. Yep. And then, um, and they actually then did force a uh, force a turnover to get the ball back and have a chance at the tying basket. Um, except then they, uh, well, I forget who it was, was attacking the attacking the basket. Mm-hmm. Amarillo draws a charge. Amarillo gets the ball back, and just Liberty just couldn't couldn't make up the rest of the ground. So uh, a very very valiant effort for a team that. Uh, I don't know. I mean, would you would you say at the start of the postseason did this feel like a team that, or were you maybe more between them or Lone Star? It felt like those two were destined to see each other in the fifth round. I was saying it midway through district. That Lone Star was- and Liberty were going to play in the regional final. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, looking at those teams, the maybe the next best team in that region mm-hmm. might have been in the same district. That's Frisco Centennial. Maybe Wiley East. They had Wiley East State ranked, but I saw them play against Frisco Frisco yeah. Memorial in the first round. And, you know, a, a Memorial team that is definitely on the rise, but their best players are freshmen mm-hmm. and sophomores. I wasn't too impressed with Wiley East. I didn't understand their state ranking. I thought mm-hmm. Frisco Centennial was a better team. Mm-hmm. They just had to face Lone Star and, and Centennial and take losses uh, there. But if they were in that district with Wiley East, they would have won that district. So I, essentially the three best teams in that region were in the same district. So yeah. something – and Liberty had to beat Centennial in the third round. That mm-hmm. was no, you know, give me game. And they beat them again for the third time this year. Set up uh, two games later, which set up the, the 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 highly anticipated showdown, like I had predicted for over a month between Liberty and Lone Star, and the winner of that game I felt like had you know a real strong chance, mm-hmm. real strong chance. Liberty, I hope I don't get too much heat for saying this, but Liberty I think was the better team out of Liberty and Lone Star. Mm-hmm. I think they. Because if you remember that first time they lost to Lone Star, they had a 15-point lead and kind of blew it away. Adriana Quezada, you know, did Adriana Quezada things, forced mm-hmm. overtime, and then they won in overtime. And I think Liberty, they they were a really special squad heading into the, the postseason, especially getting that rematch win against Lone Star in the district finale. They had the momentum. And then looking back in their non-district schedule, and they were playing all of the tough 5A and 6A teams in non-district. Yeah, they, they had like... Nine or ten losses early in the year, but it was because you're playing Allen, a team in the state tournament. Yeah, played. Uh, Coach Reedy was listing off all these teams that they played. The uh, they played against Timberview. They also played against Amarillo. Yeah, in, exactly. In non-district. And that game went to overtime. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And they lost that one, a tight one, in overtime. So they were playing. They they were built and prepared to make this playoff run. It was this was certainly not a fluke, and they were. They were so close to bringing home that first state title. Coach Reed said afterwards, um, not just the, uh, I guess, the best team that he's had at Liberty, but also, I mean, as good, the best defensive team that he's the had toughest. there by four. Yeah, they, they are, are mentally the mm-hmm. toughest for sure. They, um, yeah, their defense is is every bit. I'm just was so amazed by when you again just reading a backstory to Amarillo and just the kind of firepower that they had on offense. Mm-hmm. Just the job that Liberty does at luring these teams into playing its style of basketball, mm-hmm. and for three quarters they had the number. Number two team in the state on the ropes, um, but yeah, ultimately just fall one one quarter shy of uh, that elusive state championship. And their star player, Randy Thompson, she only dropped ten points. I don't, that's, I don't say only, but because she's capable of dropping twenty to yeah. thirty points in a given game. D one, she's going to UNT, and 
I'm not saying it's on her or anything, but that just shows you how good this Liberty team is when your star player, your D1 athlete, mm-hmm. she's scoring 10 points, and you're still right there in the thick of things against, you know, Amarillo, probably the best team in, in all of 5A. Let's close this out with a look at the uh, the third team that I was out there to cover, a team at making, uh, making its first ever trip to state. Uh, Allen. Lady Eagles were bound for the state tournament for the very first time, um, and ultimately that was kind of, you know, I'm going to say the downfall, but one of the contributing factors to uh, to why their uh, their benchmark season ends in the state semifinals is they lose to the most experienced team playing at the uh, at the state tournament, at the very least in 6A, uh, that being Converse Judson, a team that making its third consecutive trip to state, mm-hmm. a team that is just was locked in, ready to go, ready to take care of business in the state semifinals, and you just you see the little kind of the the sequences in this game that you know mattered the most um i mean allen was allen had more size at just about every position on judson but just the hustle and tenacity and all those little you know cliched buzzwords i mean everything seemed to favor judson as far as you know just hustling to loose balls winning 50 50 rebounds in in traffic um just aggression on defense and forcing allen into a whole mess of turnovers they only allen only had 15 turnovers for the game but it felt like a lot more mm-hmm. <laughs> afterwards um i mean they uh, judson just played uh, played so stinking well and um you know with allen they uh, allen started off the game on a pretty on a pretty impressive note but then gave way to a big run late in the first quarter and just couldn't ever truly claw back they were able to get within you know one to two possessions at times but they just ultimately uh, just never able to overtake that strong start from uh, from judson um and then you just got to see i mean allen you know they had some moments where they missed some shots that they had been making mm-hmm. previously so perhaps the you know being at state for the very first time versus a judson team that was you know this is far too commonplace for them and they proved as much judson won the state championship beat DeSoto um in the title game and yeah i mean just a and just the i was impressed though because judson only played five kids in their semifinal they didn't go to the bench at all all five starters played all 32 minutes and it's a team that is wow. that they they get up and down they like to run too so the fact that they were able to maintain that kind of pace mm-hmm. despite not having to call on any reserves um yeah they just did once they uh, said once they forced um allen into a turnover or got a defensive rebound i mean they were off and running and they did such a good job passing the ball in transition and um yeah it was i mean every bit the look of a uh, of a state champion matt when me and you play like four pickup games in a row we're dead for like three days. I don't, and then they had to turn around the next day and yeah. win a state championship against DeSoto. Yeah, no, they, were, five, they played five players. That's it. Mm-hmm. I've never seen that. Before. I don't know if they did that against DeSoto. I know for, for a fact against, against Allen. Allen that they did. Which I've is, never I mean, seen that before. Yeah, that is mm. that is a very very rare. But nevertheless, I mean, yeah, obviously, I don't want to just you know spend all this time talking about Judson because this still was obviously a very very impressive season for Allen. Mm-hmm. You know, by any measure, their greatest season ever. First district title in mm-hmm. what a million years? No, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. since 1993. Wow, mid 90s early to mid-90s for sure and yeah just to parlay that into the kind of run that they had just all of the the fourth quarter magic that they were able to conjure there buzzer beaters oh yeah and uh, just the, the, the wild second half comeback against Prosper. I mean, they uh, it was it, it truly was a remarkable run. And you know, you see, look at this game. I mean, there are two workhorses. Nia Green. She goes out on her shield with you know with 21 points on 50% shooting. You know, she was. I mean, she played. You know, she played great. Tyler Jackson was strong as well. She had uh, you know 18 points. So Allen scored 47 points. Those two had 38 combined. Wow. <laughs> so yeah, just couldn't get enough. Um, just elsewhere from the uh, elsewhere in the uh, in the lineup. And 
That's the district MVP and then the sixth man of the year in 968. Tyler Jackson, she, did she win sixth man of the year? I forget. I don't have a list in front of me. <laughs> um, Oops. <laughs> nevertheless, though, yeah, just a, uh, a great season for Allen. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, they're, they're still going to be, even though they lose Niagara and a McDonald's All-American, yeah. best player to ever come through that program, um, they're still going to be pretty solid next year for sure. Um, and, yeah, just, just a bittersweet weekend in general because it always does stink when you're making that final walk away mm-hmm. from the court, that walk out of the arena, and like, ah, well... I guess this is the last time we'll be doing this until until next November or December. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, but hey, still had you still had a pretty uh, a pretty heavy uh, heavy basketball week. Ooh. So uh, there were still some fun times over on the boys side of things. Man. and we can um, we can get to that. We can talk boys basketball regionals plus play some uh, some belated uh, a belated catch up from the state wrestling tournament. We'll get to that after a word from the sponsor. Today's podcast is brought to you by Star Local Media. 14 newspapers and websites with a print distribution of 270,000 homes and monthly page views of 600,000 online. Star Local Media, your community voice for news. And now, let's get back to the podcast. And let's continue with a uh, with a discussion now. I guess as we uh, bid adieu to uh, to boys basketball coverage. And Brian, you had a fun way to to close down your uh, your coverage docket for the season, uh, uh, including what I don't think is a stretch to say the biggest win in the history of Frisco Lone Stars boys basketball program. That's what I've been told. That's what Coach Connor told me after the game. He said I mean, it he, has to be right. Coach Connor said he he likes to live in the moment, and he said right now this is the biggest one. So he a little bit of coach speak, but I knew it, the magnitude of it. You know. There were some tears strolling on some people's faces, you know, in moments like that. And let me backtrack. So if, for those of y'all that don't uh, know what happened, Frisco Lone Star, you know, they beat McKinney North to make it to the regional tournament. And what do you know? you got to take on number one ranked Lancaster in the regional semifinal. And, you know, I, I kind of went in not so optimistic. I, you know, I was like, ah, just hopefully I mean, it's, it's Lancaster. That's, that, that is, at the 5A level, you're not going to find too many programs over the last decade or so They're, that have the kind of pedigree yeah, of two, Lancaster. Two losses coming in, and one of their losses was to number one ranked Duncanville, who's now going to state as well. And so coming in, I was like, all right, Lone Star, just kind of keep it close. Don't get blown mm-hmm. out. And in this game, man, they, they fell behind double digits. They are down by 10. Uh, late in the second, early in the third, and I was like, "Oh man, just go on, keep it close." They had this uh, Miles Price or Miles Nash, what, Mike Miles is Mike his Miles. name. Like, there's so many Miles. Uh, Mike Miles was Lancaster's point guard. He's a three-star uh, recruit. He he you know he played the part. You know, he's like six-four point guard. He dominated. He, I think he had 16 in the first half. Second half, I think he had two, and uh, that that was that was big. They kept him out of the game, uh, or at least you know. Off the off the glass, off the you know, off the offensive end, and man, Lone Star just goes on this run. They go, they start a 10-0 run in the third quarter that leads to a 20-2 run. Hmm. Out of nowhere, they just start hitting threes. Andre Howard, player off the bench, hits five threes. Four of those in the second half. When you, you know, it's like your destiny. You know, you're knocking down those shots. You're, you're executing like that. You know, it's meant to be. It wasn't a fluke. They were they. They were giving it to Lancaster, and Lancaster was so flustered. You know, they didn't, like I said, 22 run. They weren't scoring for, I don't know, the stretch of minutes that they didn't score. but And it was it was unbelievable. And so Lone Star, late in the game, up 50-55. to 55. Uh, And I'm blanking on this dude's name. He's a sophomore at Lancaster. Um, you have pulled up there? Yeah. Wade Taylor. Wade Taylor, sophomore. He's starter stud. Six-foot-five guy. He gets a he splashes in a three. Okay, it's 55-53. This is the closest deficit since you know when Lone Star first took the lead early in the third quarter. It's like oh crap, 
uh, and then immediately they're pressing. Wade Taylor steals the ball instantly, takes it in, layup. We're tied 55-55. Where the press row is is right in front of the Lancaster. I'm on the Lancaster side mm-hmm. uh, of the arena, and everyone's going nuts. What do you know? Lone Star can't score on the other end. They're a little flustered. And uh, Mike Miles, he does what Mike Miles does, and he takes it in, gets fouled, misses the shot, but gets fouled, makes one of two free throws. There's 18 seconds left. Lancaster's now at 56-55. They're up for the first time since early in the third quarter. And Lone Star, they, you know, they have time to figure out a buzzer beater, you know. And I'm like, am I going to see a, a buzzer beater at the Cole Center two weekends in a row? <laughs> and they call timeout, and then they, they you know, they bring it down. They run some clock out, this and that. They, uh, I believe it was a drive to the paint that was blocked off Lancaster on the baseline underneath the basket, four seconds left. So then Lone Star has another chance. I think this is what they really wanted. They have Julian Larry inbounding the ball, and their big man, Isaiah Lewis, 6'6", forward, combo guard, forward, whatever you want to call him. Play runs to perfection. He starts on the three-point line on the wing, cuts in, gets a screen right in front of the basket. Larry lobs it up, catches it, alley-oop, off the glass, and in with 1.6 seconds left. They take the one-point lead. Lancaster calls a timeout, and they don't. Have oh. out the second week in a row at the Cole Center. It happened against Lone Star the first time, and it happened for them in the boys' game this time. Mm. So then they go to the line, get the ball back. Lancaster didn't have a chance, and that's got to be just the worst feeling for a coach. Absolutely, no doubt about it. I, and I don't know. I don't have verification on this. If it was the Lancaster head coach or if someone on the sideline or if uh-huh. player, I just, but someone called timeout and they did not have a timeout. And it it ended their season. Yeah. Granted, they still would have had to make a game winner. They yeah. still would have had to pull off some miraculous buzzer beater with one second left. But it, it um, totally killed the cause and killed uh, any hopes of that happening. And man, it was an emotional scene for Lone Star. Mm. Uh, Coach Connor, he was he was very emotional. Uh, it was the second time that Lone Star reached the regional final. They reached in 2014, and it's actually they were they're the only Frisco team, period, boys team to reach the regional final. Wow. And what a win! Obviously, in my opinion, my opinion is the greatest win in perhaps Frisco ISD boys basketball history. I mean, would you, again, when you factor in, obviously, you know, if, if, if this wasn't a state tournament game or anything like that, but when you factor in just the caliber of opponent, mm-hmm. number one ranked team in the state, a program that has, I mean, just a, just tons of state championships yeah. and all sorts oh, of, yeah. I mean, yeah, that is, when you think of 5A boys basketball in Texas, Lancaster's one of, if not the first team that comes to mind. For so sure. To knock off a team like that, yeah, I think that's... Yeah, I think without question, that's the biggest win that that program's ever had. Oh, yeah. And then they had to turn around the next day and face Sulphur Springs, who I'm not sure if they're a better team than Lancaster. They just had the matchups, mm. and that was the name and of the game. Styles make fights. They had four guys in the starting lineup that were at least 6'5". And that doesn't even include uh, Cork, their big man, six foot nine. Who was in foul trouble the entire game? Mm-hmm. He his fourth foul in the second quarter, and I, I just look at him. He's six foot nine. He had two buckets early. He had a, an and one early, and I'm like, oh my gosh, this dude is about to give him the shack treatment in this one. They could not stop him. He gets in foul trouble. He doesn't play again until the fourth quarter. He picks up that fifth foul almost immediately. So mm-hmm. he was literally a non-factor. But then there are other guys, you know, there's six foot five guards that Marvin Mims and mm-hmm. Julian Larry were having to guard. Larry was doing a good job. Mims was doing a good job on these guys. But there's a you know, three, four inch differential. They're getting in the paint on the low block. 
Oh my gosh! It was just a variety of fashions, a variety of ways they were scoring in the paint. Put back, there were put back dunks that were just electrifying. <laughs> Sulphur Springs, Sulphur Springs, their crowd I think had something to do with it too. They traveled so well. I tweeted out a picture of this. I, they were on the opposite side, so I could see everything. They had a good. It wasn't just sprinkled here and there, just a little section. It was all the way to the hoops. On each end, and the, and then some, mm-hmm. and they had a massive student section. It was almost like the entire town of, of <laughs> Sulphur Springs was there for that game, and they were just in in full control of this game. They went up by as many as 18, 16 I believe, at twenty eight to twelve. The difference of this game was that second quarter they were outscored sixteen to six, and the only reason Lone Star had six points was because Marvin Mims hit a three at literally at the buzzer going into halftime to make it. Uh, 28 to 15 but they were just dominated they had no answer in the paint mm-hmm. and you know the matchups were the name of the game in that one and their size was definitely a factor we can uh, let's round this out with a look at um, let's play some catch up a belated look back at the mm-hmm. state wrestling tournament because uh, state wrestling always produces some pretty recognizable uh, some pretty recognizable results some pretty notable storylines within our coverage area and um, so yeah let's and at the very least you had uh, I mean at some point, we have to sit down and just figure out just what else you can even compare this run to that, the Allen, that the Allen Wrestling Program That's what I was going to say. This, the state wrestling tournament has produced one result, one recognizable result every year for the last decade. And that's, you know, Allen, uh, the Allen boys wrestling team winning state gold as a team. And it's, it's unprecedented. I, I mean, it, they, no wrestling team has ever done it. Mm-hmm. I, it's, it's really hard to imagine that any bracket sport team has ever done it. It's it's unbelievable. I mean, you were talking about Argyle. You know, what is the girls' basketball team won five? Mm-hmm. So like that's half. That's as half. Many. Yeah, that's, that's half as many. Mm-hmm. It's it's un it's unbelievable, and it's. I mean, this year was no different. Mm-hmm. It was the same the same story. I think they had five uh, individual state champions. Everybody else was somewhere up in the medals. Um, they, you know, in every every uh, class that they wrestled in, and and again, it wasn't even close. It's funny because if you were to go and if we were just to go to any part of the of the metroplex outside of Allen and just pull. 100 people on what they think the best sport is at Allen. Yeah. And the yep. answers that you would get, you're guessing it's probably going to be a pretty heavy favor um, for football mm-hmm. and for, you know, for plenty of justified reasons mm-hmm. with, I mean, them having won, you know, four state championships since 2012 and um, having been to the state semifinals seven years in a row. And yeah, you can make a great case. Nope, it's the wrestling program because, yes, as Taylor alluded to, I mean, when you have now won an entire decade's worth of state championships, and it's not just that they keep without winning much state. resistance it's, at all. Yeah, it's not that they keep winning state. It's that they do so in just insanely lopsided fashion. I went back through the uh, you know the team standings from the past ten state meets just to see what Allen's margin of victory in the team standings was over the past decade. The average margin of victory that Allen has enjoyed from the gap between first and second place in the team standings at the state meet ninety five point six points. Yep. Almost 100 points. I mean, their last four years, they've won by more than 100. um, And they've had somewhere, I mean, basically every conceivable record that you can amass at the state meet, Allen has set, whether it's most points scored as a team, largest margin of victory, most, you know, gold medalists. I mean, it's just, they have just rewritten the record books time and time over. And it is just, it is just such a special, special run. There's just, there's nothing like it right now. And with no end in sight is the crazy part. Yeah. Because, I mean, they, they graduate state champions pretty much every year, but then they bring in freshmen that are 
you know, literally almost already on the verge mm-hmm. of just going ahead and winning state. Um, you know, they have, as, as head coach Jerry Best will allude to, they have middle school wrestlers that are fantastic. He has his, you know, wrestling, um, you know, his club wrestling program and, and all that stuff that, that he, you know, works with youth in the area that are, that are eventually going to wrestle for Allen. These kids wrestle for forever. They get to the high school level and... You know, it's just it's just next in line. It's a machine. Now, are they just sending more kids than other schools? Is that why they're getting they do part of it? Because yeah. what they so there's 14 weight classes yep. at the state wrestling meet. Allen had a participant in 13 of them. Wow, yep. and 12 kids placed. Yep. Wow. So I mean, that's just that is a level of depth that they've. I mean, again, for the past decade, it's been that way, and you just that numbers game is just the math. Just it's yep. too much to compete. I mean, with you can compare schools. it to you know they had five state champions. Allen did, I believe. Plano West sent five boys to state. Mm-hmm. Like in total, mm-hmm. so I mean, it, it's just not, you know, the, it is just a numbers game. But you only get to enjoy that numbers game if you qualify <laughs> thirteen yes. different yeah. guys for state. I mean, that's the only way you get to kind of reap that. And you said twelve, that twelve medaled. Yeah, so it's not placed. Like, placed. First through yeah. six is yeah. okay. So it's not like placed. they're just going just to go. They're yeah. they're no, like, yeah. they're elite and they're oh yeah state. And I, I don't remember off the top of my head who it was that didn't place, but I'm sure they were yeah. you know right on the verge. I mean, it's not like they have any. There's no stinkers <laughs> on Allen's wrestling team. Put <laughs> no, it that there way. Are not. There's no you know odd man out. There's nobody that's kind of picking up the rear. You know, everybody wrestles to try to go win a state championship. It is the, I mean, again, we just need to sit down at some point and just do a big history project to see if we can just figure out what the, what the, what else you can compare this to because it just seems so insane to think that 10 years in and they've just been able to have just this much consistency and success. Yeah. And like you said, it's not slowing down anything no, because it, of the job that they, I mean, these wrestlers, kids that have, cause I feel like wrestling is a sport as we can kind of get to in a sec. You have, you'll have kids that pick up wrestling like, just on a whim, yeah. you know, like as a as a sophomore or a junior in high school, and then within the next year or two, they're great at it. Yep. Can, I mean, that's not the case with Allen. You have most of these kids that have been wrestling since they were in diapers. Pretty much, like. yeah, their entire lives. Yeah. And for best, for a lot of the mm-hmm. years. I mean, that's that's part of it, too, is that there's just a, there's a familiarity and kind of a top-to-bottom commitment to what they do that's... Mm-hmm. You know, unmatched anywhere, and it's it's, it's so it wouldn't surprise me if you came to me in ten more years and like, oh, yep, Allen still hasn't lost. Like mm-hmm. it, it's just it's just kind of a fact of life at this mm-hmm. point. It's it's pretty insane. But like we mentioned, you know, it's not inconceivable for a wrestler to pick up the sport on a whim like that and immediately find success. And with Plano West, mm-hmm. you have a wrestler like Ashley Likas who did this during her junior year, yep. made it to state as a junior despite barely having you know, any skin in the game. Totally respectable. Got six after. Yeah, she started a couple months before last season went to state um you know got sixth place placed um but then you know this year she was just on another level i mean i had to you know i covered um district regionals and and i wasn't there for state but you know every time i saw her wrestle i think i videoed one time because you know sometimes it's hard to video wrestling matches they're you know minute and a half periods or whatever they are and and you get three of them and it can go on and on and you know you kind of just film at the end actually i guess you better be there like when the match starts because i think i miss it like it's honestly like she puts on a show sometimes like she just kind of toys with people and it's like okay I'm, i'm done with this like i i think i filmed her match you know, for the it was either the district title or the re, I think it was the regional title, and I think she pinned the girl in like 34 seconds, mm-hmm. and that even seemed long. It seemed like that girl survived <laughs> for longer than she probably should have. So, she's just wrestling at 165. You know, as a senior, 
she was just physically stronger than mm -hmm. I think anybody she wrestled um, this year outside of you know her only loss um, to uh, Byron Nelson's let me see if I can find her name Kaylin Albrecht who uh, was the only girl to defeat her uh, in the lead up to the state tournament mm -hmm. they met in the state final it was you know very cinematic I'm sure you know the the revenge story and and Likas was you know up you know, a dozen points or something head into the third period and then eventually pinned her. Um, and there was just no resistance. It was it was crazy. Um, you know, and she becomes uh, the first Plano West uh, girls wrestling state champion. And then on the other side, taking Jameson mm. uh, on the boys' side, um, he was the first, you know, together they're the first individual state wrestling champions that, that West has ever had. I mentioned that West, I, uh, earlier in the podcast, they took five boys um, plus Likas. Um, and they had... Four of those five place, okay. I believe, and I believe every every uh, every boys wrestler they place comes back. Uh, Likas obviously will graduate, um, but on the boys side they bring I think pretty much their entire team back. Um, you know, head coach Clay Goodlow is is excited for you know the direction of the program. Their goal, obviously, it's funny when you you talk to these other wrestling coaches because you know in most sports it's like oh well we're going to try to unseat. You know, Allen, we're going to try to, even Allen football, it's like, oh, who's going to be the team that can finally knock them off? Mm -hmm. Can we beat them in the state semis? Here's a rematch. I think we can get them this year. It's not like that in wrestling. It's almost like, you know, well, Allen's going to get first. Allen's going to be state champs. Mm -hmm. So, you know, next year, I really think that we can be second at state. Like, mm -hmm. they, they'll speak like that. It's, it's, Allen has warped the, the state wrestling scene mm -hmm. so much that it's like everybody's playing for second. Second in district for Plano West, all the way up, you know, regional, state, everything. But, you know, Plano West is set up to, to be really good for a while here because they have a ton of, you know, freshmen, sophomores, especially on the boys' side, that, um, you know, are going to continue to get better and, and should uh, should have a pretty good year again next year. With Frisco ISD, Brian, it does feel like every year, I don't know which program it is, it feels like it's a different one, but it feels like Frisco ISD always has a strong turnout at the state wrestling meet. They do. Uh, over the past few years, since Centennial, the Centennial boys yeah. have been pretty dominant, but they graduated their two top guys. Mm. Uh, but they're still they still sent plenty of wrestlers to state. Uh, I think I believe all but one Frisco school had a, a wrestler at mm -hmm. state, so they're very well represented. Uh, but it was Frisco Liberty's year. It was their week. It was mm -hmm. a big week for Frisco Liberty in general. You know, with the, sure. the girls basketball team and then the wrestlers at state. The girls wrestling team finished second, their highest finish ever at the wrestling meet, Savannah West. Uh, she won the 110-pound uh, championship there. She beat a girl from El Paso Hanks. Uh, El Paso Hanks was the team that finished first, by mm -hmm. the way. They beat, uh, the, she beat the defending state champion uh, from El Paso Hanks in her uh, match uh, there, so that was big for her. Uh, they had a bunch of, bunch of people finish second. Uh, Precious Essien, he finished second to a kid from Midlothian, a kid he had just beat in the regional tournament. A week before, so it's really tough for him there. But you know, a great year for for Essien. Diego Lorenzo, he didn't lose a match all year uh, in the 195 pound class, but he lost to the, um, Geronimo Sacedo of Wiley East for his only loss of the year in the state final. Uh, but he had a, t a bunch of second place finishes. Uh, that one first place finish, Frisco High had the other uh, gold medal. Um, it was uh, Tyler Brennan who brought home his uh, second consecutive state title. Last year he won it in the 106. This year he won it 126. Mm -hmm. So it was bulking season for Tyler Brennan, and he <laughs> showed out the second straight year.
Yeah, that is a uh, that is a look at uh, just some of the happenings out of the state wrestling tournament. I wanted to at least pay uh, pay an homage to that, since obviously yes, plenty of plenty of fun times with the uh, with our local high schools out on the wrestling mats. And that will do it for this edition of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast. We'll be back on Thursday to talk some softball. So we're now about to start dipping our toes into stick and ball season with uh, district softball getting rolling this week. Going to talk some of the notable storylines in our coverage areas for the upcoming yeah, for the I guess season that's already in progress, I should say. <laughs> but nevertheless, folks, yes. Appreciate y'all for checking this out. This is, uh, Matt Welch, Taylor Raglan, Brian Murphy. Uh, make sure you guys uh, stay warm. It's freezing outside, folks. Hey, you enjoy the rest of your week, and we will talk to y'all later. Looking to hire top talent in your community? Look no further than StarLocalJobs.com. Our platform is specifically designed to connect local employers with qualified candidates in their area. With StarLocalJobs.com, you can easily post job listings tailored to your specific needs and requirements. Our platform is user-friendly and offers a wide range of options to help you find the perfect candidate for your open position. Plus, our job matching algorithm ensures that your listing is shown to the most relevant job seekers in your area. But that's not all, StarLocalJobs.com also offers a variety of resources to help you throughout the hiring process. From candidate screening to interview tips, our team of experts is dedicated to helping you find the right fit for your company. So why wait? Join the thousands of satisfied employers who have found their ideal candidate through StarLocalJobs.com. Post your job listing today and start building your dream team.